Hey everybody, what is up? Hey, you've been eating together today and spending time together. That's so beautiful. I mean, this is our vision of just turning our chairs and our lives into each other. And so I know today has been a day of just spending time eating brunch together, kind of trying to live out this idea of hospitality, opening our lives up to each other. And so we're thankful for you all and hopefully you're having a great morning so far. And what we want to do for just the next couple minutes as we end our gathering together is take some time just to continue to cultivate this idea of hospitality. Um, This is our our spring theme and our our spring practice. It really is a practice. Um, I've said this before, but Easter is not just one day. It's six weeks in the church calendar. It's a, a season of celebration of the resurrection. And we've really felt like, could there be any other practice, especially being locked down the last couple of years? Uh, that could be better than hospitality and eating and drinking together, opening our lives up towards each other. And so not only is it a posture, but it's something we kind of act on. And so that's why we wanted to eat today and uh, kind of join in together. So again, what we want to do for the next couple minutes is just take a couple minutes and continue to develop this idea, this thread of reaching out as a way of life for us. Um, as a way in which we can practice hospitality. And so we've been, just been coming around this idea with a couple unique voices, the reality that God's at work and he wants us to join in alongside of him. What we want to do today is give you some practical, I think some practical things as we kind of wind down in how we can do this. And we're going to have another kind of unique voice in a minute come and share just for a couple minutes his story and what he's seen happen in, in his church and life that I think is going to be really beautiful. Uh, But before we do that, I would love to just, in light of that, read some scripture. So if you want to open up your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And I'm just going to read this story, uh, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, just as a way to get our minds alive to Jesus' teaching and the story of the the Gospels. And then we'll move into uh, a little bit of uh, a story here. But it says this, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, So who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
And so with this in mind, brothers and sisters, uh, a guy named Jay Pathak is going to come. He's a pastor in Colorado. I actually read his book, The Art of Neighboring, uh, a number of years ago. Actually really reframed my mind around my place in my neighborhood and where we live. And I think this will give us some practical just things to grab a hold of from his story and how we can continue to live out hospitality as we work to reach out towards others. And, uh, and then one of our team is going to come at the end and kind of close our time together. I was on staff at a large church and I loved what I did. But I had a crisis um, one day, a normal day like any other day, when I came home and my wife had just started inviting neighbors over to share a meal with us. She'd rolled the grill out, and as people were coming home, she just said, why don't you come over and we'll share a meal together. And all of a sudden I realized all these people that surrounded me, I didn't even know their names. I was a professional Christian. My job was to help a church get to know the city and the neighborhood. And I didn't even know the people that surrounded my apartment complex. And as we got to know them at that meal, um, we started to share life with these people, people who were going through domestic violence things and dealing with addictions and folks that had all kinds of problems. When I was used to getting into my car to drive to do church ministry stuff, when there were needs all around me. And in a sense, we became the pastors of that apartment complex. So when we went to move to Denver to plant a church, we decided we want to take the great commandment literally, not figuratively, literally, which meant we needed to know the names of the neighbors of the people that surround us, to love them, to serve them, to pray for them. And well, that's shaped what became our church. Everyone that came with us, we made a commitment to spend time in our front yards, to share meals with people in our homes, to hear their stories, to pray for them, to pray with them, and learn how to live life together. And in this, I think we took the great commandment literally to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor actually includes your literal neighbor. And so that small step opened us up to actually thinking about how cities might change. What if everybody took that seriously? What if everyone that says that they follow Jesus took that seriously? But what if everybody took that seriously? We might just see a ripple effect in every city that we're in. Instead of trying to do everything out there, what if we started right in here? The step to take is really simple. It requires walking the 20 or 30 feet and doing this really complicated maneuver, which is knocking on their door and then saying, hi, I live over here. <laughs> I don't know your name. I've not had a chance to meet you. If you're new in a neighborhood, it goes better. But if you've been there a while, it can be even more awkward. And here's why. Because you probably knew their name at some point. Like you met them at one point, and they've just become like cat lady or, hey, what's up, dude, bro, man. <laughs> and you have these super shallow conversations that usually revolve around the local sports team or a restaurant that came to town. And you have to go over a little speed bump, this little teeny speed bump that's awkward. 
where you say, I know I should know your name. I am so sorry, but I can't remember it. And then my recommendation is that you write it down. Uh, we use a little tool that we call block map. It's effectively a tic-tac-toe board. Just on your refrigerator, make a tic-tac-toe board and just write the names of your neighbors. And that way, when you look at them, you can start to remember them. And who knows? You might even start to pray for them. And who knows even further? God might actually begin to break your heart for them. When you get to know someone's name, something strange happens in our minds where we begin to connect to their story. And we begin to remember parts of their story and we remember their name. And it's the most dignified thing we can do for others is to know their name, capture pieces of their story as a means of demonstrating we care about them. And I think that's what Jesus asks us to do. He asks us to love people. And by this, we show that we're his disciples. That can start somewhere simple by knowing their name, capturing a bit of their story, and then reflecting that back to them. And if you already know the names of your neighbors, here's another step you can take, which is maybe you could share a meal with them. Here's a guess about all your neighbors. I have a guess. They probably eat food. Another guess. They probably eat food around the same time you eat food. And if you make a little extra food and you let them bring some of their food, you can actually share a meal together. And sharing a meal together is one of the most intimate things you can do. And it's actually one of the most simple things you can do. I believe that evangelism moving forward will be mostly lived out and worked out through hospitality. That people will open their homes and open their lives to connect with others in a way that they can see the life of Jesus and the hope that God has in their lives by just looking at them, by sharing space with them, by sharing time with them. This is what Jesus modeled. I mean, if you take the parties out of the New Testament, you don't have a New Testament. If you take meals and the connection that we have around food from the whole of the Bible, you don't have a story of the Bible. You take the Passover away. That's a big thing to take away from the Bible. Sharing space and time together where we open our hearts up, we ask questions, and we live life together is best done around food and around a meal and in a place where people feel welcomed. We all have a part to play, and God is so well-pleased to use every single one of us if we're willing. If we say, God, use me, he can use you no matter what. My mom left when I was a baby, and my dad raised me until I was four. My dad thought it was best for me to go to Germany to grow up with his sister. I remember the other day when we went to the airport and I remember holding on to that gate because I didn't want to leave him. I um, hated my father for leaving me, right? Sending me somewhere I don't know. When I was seven, I got abused from a neighbor. I hated God. I hated him for 
all the stuff I went through. And I was like, oh, if you exist, why would you like do this to me, you know? I um, was looking for a nanny job and I saw Stephanie's post. You know, I just put an ad out there for a nanny. And so the day that she walked in, we kind of just thought, you know what, this, this makes a ton of sense, let's just do this. Matt was on the phone and he was like, yeah, Daho, we would love to have you as Riley's nanny and we would welcome you to our family. And I was like, what? This is crazy. We have so many people coming through this house and she would ask, like, who are all these people? You know, they babysit your kids and they come over here and play with your kids and like, why would they do that? So they love our kids, you know, we're really involved with each other and we love each other. We're, we're all part of the same community. She said, well, I'd, I'd love to check that out. So Matt and Steph invited me to church. It was weird because I'm like, never went to church ever. They were just so nice and so welcoming, right? And I was like, oh, this is like a different experience. Like, I like going there. I think we were advertising for Alpha. Alpha was just coming back. And I said, you know, this is, would be a great way for you to learn more about what who Jesus is. And I was like, okay, fine, I'm gonna go meet new people. <laughs> and yeah, that was the reason why I went to Alpha. First night, I didn't really interact with much with other people. I just like listened and was quiet, I think, the first night. The second night, the third night, I felt like, oh, this is like really powerful, right? Like I started like engaging more and like asking questions. I think it was the time when it was about forgiveness. It was just so powerful that, you know, he forgave us for everything we did and that he still loves us, right? How can he like love me when I did like so many stuff, you know, how can I forgive myself? How can I forgive people who hurt me? I think that was the moment when the dog I had inside went away and the light came through. Yeah. When you came home uh, and told us that, you know, you wanted to be baptized, obviously we we're really excited for her. And then when she asked me to baptize her, I was floored. It was really exciting. Well, it was actually so easy. That's the other thing I can't get over is that I really did so little to like, introduce you. I mean, so much of it is you just hearing what was true and then just running with it and diving in. Not everyone does that. But then I just feel like I'm getting so much credit for doing no, so little. I mean, just saying, it's, go not, it's not little. It's like a big, you know, it's huge for you guys to like bring me into your home, you know, trusting me, being in your house and taking care of your daughter. You know, like showing me this, like, oh man, this is this great love God has for you. You know, you should come and experience it too. You know, it's like, it, it, you know, without you, I don't think I would have it now. So, yeah. 